0: Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Dismantling the Ivory Tower. I'm your host, Elijah John, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Clifford C. Meeks, uh, coordinator of the Men of Color Leadership Program. Welcome, Dr. Meeks. Thanks for uh, you know coming on, and uh, thanks for allowing us to do this podcast.
1: Pleasure's mine.
0: Let's see. Let's kind of first just talk about exactly what the podcast is, you know, just right off the bat. Uh, This podcast is sponsored and facilitated by the Portland Community College Multicultural Centers. Uh, We're here to use this platform for a few, you know, important purposes. We're here to promote and support the multicultural centers and their programs, such as the Men of Color Leadership Program, which you run, Dr. Meeks. Um, As well as our sister centers, such as the Queer Resource Center, the Veteran Resource Center, and the Women's Resource Center. Uh, We're also going to be consistently applying a a social justice lens to sort of demystify college demands and expectations. But most importantly, we're here to highlight the experiences of our extremely diverse student base, um, specifically those within marginalized communities. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to add, Dr. Meeks?
1: No, I think that sums it up quite well, Elijah. Um, You know, I think uh, when you you were pitching this to me, I think it was, uh, it, 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 speaks to the time that we're in. And, um, and, uh, I think this is one of many platforms that, um, the multicultural center, as well as our sister centers can use to, uh, uplift the voices, as you said, of, of, uh, our extremely diverse, uh, student population, um, as well as promote, uh, different activities and, um events that the centers are putting on as well as uh things that are happening in and around Portland Community College and the Portland metro
0: area. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh I I guess we could say this this will be the one stop shop, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That might be a tall order, but but one we stop shop is go do right. We can do our best. Right. You know?
0: Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we, you know, really get into all of it, would you like to do the uh, the land acknowledgement?
1: Sure, sure. Um, so peace, everyone. As Elijah stated, my name is Dr. Clifford C. Meeks. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his and I am the coordinator of PCC's Men of Color Leadership Program. And uh, just want to state that it's vitally important that we begin the podcast by acknowledging the land that we rest on and honor our native and indigenous tribes and communities that have come before us uh, and continue to reside, uh, create, thrive, and remain here on these lands to this day. <coughs> um, th- this there are many versions of land acknowledgments that exist um this is one that's slightly different what from what's been used in the past um uh, it's a working draft and uh my goal is to turn back to it frequently uh in order to change things as i learn more about how to best acknowledge and support um native and uh indigenous folks and the land that we are all occupying Mm -hmm. um I would be remiss if I didn't thank two of my former colleagues, uh, Rachel Black Elk, uh, who uh, was a former program specialist at the Southeast Multicultural Center, and uh, Brianna Stansberry, who is the former coordinator for the Southeast Multicultural Center. I want to give honor and thanks to both of them for providing a template that supports the development. Uh, of a more tailored and personalized land acknowledgement um, that can continue to be revised and edited in an effort to make um, these types of acknowledgements more organic. Uh, and so <clears throat> all of our spaces. Um, as you mentioned, Elijah, the multicultural center, the queer resource center, women's resource center and veterans resource center, they all operate with values and missions tied to social justice and the interrogation and disruption of interlocking systems of oppression, um, with the Multicultural Center, uh, our audience needs to know that our aim is to address the institutional racism and the unique needs of students of color and culture on campus. Um, and so this podcast, by sponsorship and affiliation with the MC, as uh, the Multicultural Center is effectively uh, affectionately known as... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me, is no different. And the ivory tower um, that you mentioned in the title of the podcast uh, Mm -hmm. that we desire to dismantle reeks of noxious fumes of white supremacy, colonialism and imperialism. And so one form of institutionalized racism is the chronic and purposeful invisibilization and erasure of native and indigenous peoples. And so we need to begin to combat that erasure through the naming of the violent role of settler colonialism and white supremacy. And we can also combat this erasure through naming, locating and honoring people who have been here since time immemorial. Um, I need to get a little vulnerable, uh, and name my specific ties because me not being a native Oregonian, it's important for me to honor, um, the original inhabitants of my own hometown and yeah. my own lands of origin. So, um, so situating in the world as a black cisgender man, I'm from a little place called LaGrange, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta. Um, yeah. and the original inhabitants as I learned of my own hometown or the, uh, and I'm hoping to say, say this <laughs> correctly, the Hachiti people, mm-hmm. uh, one of the tribes of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Uh, and these uh, this tribe was later forced, along with the multiple tribes that inhabited that area at that time, they were later forced to leave their ancestral lands through violent anti-Indigenous policies and practices that ultimately culminated into the Trail of Tears, um, which sure many of our audience heard has heard about in some form or another in Certainly. history. Um, so I do invite our audience to investigate who were and still are the original student, stewards of the lands that we come from. Um, and I'm also going to encourage folks to look up how to pronounce the tribal names and peoples so that you can verbally honor the correct pronunciations and um, Acknowledging the land is important because I know for myself, I want to honor the generosity, care and labor of indigenous friends, coworkers, leaders and tribes, uh, as well as um, uh, honor a deep belief that our liberation can only be collective. So it kind of speaks to the notion that if one of us is not free, then we're all not free. And so um, I acknowledge that I'm also a guest on these lands because in uh in hindsight, uh, from my own family history, my people were brought here. So, these are not my own ancestors, ancestral mm-hmm. lands. So, um, so in that denotion, I'm, I consider myself a guest. <clears throat> um, so, not only is it important for me to acknowledge my hometown uh, original stewards, but it's also important for me to acknowledge the original stewards of the land I now call home, which is Portland, Oregon. And so... Despite all the colonialism genocide and tactics of genocide, including the termination of over 60 tribes in Oregon alone through forced assimilation, redlining, law exclusion, uh, indigenous peoples continue to resist, survive, thrive and create. So over the years, many Oregon tribal nations have uh, experienced restoration. Uh, including the Celets tribe between 1975 and 76, and the confederated tribes of the Grand Ronde in 1983. Portland, believe it or not, um, probably many of our audience knows this, but Portland has the ninth largest urban Indian population in the United States. And today, Oregon has nine federally recognized tribes, many of which are confederated. And in addition to naming and honoring the land, folks can refer to tribal nations websites for histories and support systemic policy change, such as Senate Bill 13, uh, which is a law that directs the Oregon Department of Education to create K through 12 Native American curriculum for inclusion in Oregon public schools and provide professional development to educators. The law also directs the uh, Oregon Department of Education to provide funds to each of the nine federally recognized tribes in Oregon to create individual place-based curriculum. So, um, and so Multnomah County rests on the traditional village sites of the Multnomah, the Kathlamet, the Clackamas, bands of the Chinook, the Tualatin, Kalapuya, and the Malala, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. And it's also important for us to acknowledge the waterways, specifically the Columbia and the Willamette rivers, because their tributaries, um, the plant life and the animal life of those tributaries has been life-giving and are vital even to this day, to the survival uh, and the thriving of those tribes. Um, and so last but not least, you know, in honoring the survival, the resilience and the thriving of our native communities, um... This is my way of giving thanks to the original stewards of this land. And so definitely, you also want to give gratitude to the student-led Native Nations Club at PCC, as well as the Native Nations and Indigenous Equity SAG, um, both of which are pushing for vital policy change here at the college, and are uh, from whom I continue to learn deeply from. And so uh, it is my hope that the Creator and our ancestors be pleased with the contributions and efforts to acknowledge the original inhabitants of this land, the enslaved labor that cultivated the land and the land itself. So I'm gonna turn it back to you, brother.
0: That was, that was very, very well said, Dr. Meeks. Um, thank you very much for that. Uh, it is very important that we acknowledge uh, those who came before us and, and those who inhabited the places we inhabit now. Um, so thank you for that. Um, now, to get into a little bit about me, <laughs> please do, please do. <laughs> my name is Elijah John. Um I am a second year student here at Portland Community College. Uh I'm 19 and I have always sort of had a uh let's say a tumultuous relationship with education. Um. um, you know, I you know, I've had my personal struggles with things like ADHD, but I've also found that, you know, my my cultural background um, and my, my racial background has had an impact on, on my schooling and on how I have navigated uh, these different levels of schooling. Um, education is really important to me. Uh, I have a big quote on my wall. (laughs) It's a big Malcolm X quote. And it says, it says education is the passport to the future Mm -hmm. for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today.
1: Amen to that.
0: Amen to that. (laughs) And I think, I think that's a very important quote because it's very true. You know, um, education opens up doors. Mm -hmm. It's, it creates opportunity. Um, and I'm especially aware of and grateful For those opportunities because my my father uh didn't have access to that stuff he was born in the gambia in africa very poor Mm -hmm. poor country dropped out of high school you know never went to college because he didn't have access to it Mm -hmm. um and you know he didn't come to america until he was well into his you know his early 30s so for me to see where that has ended landed him right to not have an education Mm -hmm. and the importance that he has drilled into (coughs) me about, you know, I didn't have access to this stuff. You do make the best of it, use it, you know? Um, And I think it's important that I do, I do use it. And that's, you know, that's why I'm here. And that's, uh, I want to also thank you, Dr. Meeks, because uh, you know, I, I joined your men of color leadership program. (laughs) And honestly, that, that was a, that was a big kickstart for me to, you know, continue in education because, you know, sometimes I get discouraged and it's, uh, it's nice to feel like you belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like the men of color leadership program gave me a place to belong. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I I skipped this in the beginning, but, uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, (laughs) you know, I just want to, I want to put that out there, you know? Um, but yeah, so I think, That's just a little bit of background about me, Mm -hmm. why I value education, why I'm doing this podcast in the first place, because I think that the education that my father didn't have access to in a poor country like Gambia, we live in America, Mm -hmm. the richest country in the world. Everybody should have access (laughs) to education here. Absolutely everybody, regardless of who you are or your background. Um, So, yeah.
1: No, brother, I appreciate you taking a moment to be vulnerable and, you know, share a little bit of your story with the audience, Um y- you know, and, and also share a little bit of just, you know, how an endeavor such as this podcast relates to you, you know, and, and, and you know, the personal ties you have with it, Um, you know, is super important. And that's, you know, one of the things I hope we bring, you know, through our guests and hopefully... Um, our audience can reflect on how, you know, their own educational pathways are um, a reflection of where they are and where they want to go mm-hmm. in life. Um, I would say a little bit about myself, um, since since this is where we're supposed to talk a little bit more <laughs> about ourselves. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, for me, I, uh, you know, you've stated my role, I am the coordinator of PCC's Men of Color Leadership Program, and um, <clears throat> um, and as I stated in my land acknowledgement, you know I'm a, I'm not a native Oregonian. I'm originally from the state of Georgia. We could talk more about that later on. Um, <laughs> you know, just being from the South in general, but um, you know, I'd say I, for me, education was always important. Um, coming from a mother who uh, was a educator, you know, for the majority of her career. Uh, and then my father, you know, uh, coming from a, from a background uh, where he, both my parents uh, are both college educated. So um, college was something that was talked about often, um, you know, and yet we were, you know, my siblings and I were given the choice. You know, it was like, you know, you don't have to go to college. We prefer you do, but if you're not gonna do, if you're not gonna do college, you're gonna do something. Because my parents, especially my father, was like, "But you're not staying in this house." I tell you that now. That's that's not happening. Um, <laughs> you know, if you do, you come this rent. Uh, you can help out with some of these bills. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but uh, but all jokes aside, you know, I think it was instilled with within us early on that you know, the importance of education. But I had my own tumultuous moments um, and it was more around different subjects. And I think, you know, coming from the South, realizing how, um, you know, not being, not really seeing myself um, in a lot of the topics that were discussed at the time. And so, you know, I, I give my parents honor because they they helped me with that. Um, but I also had several members of the community and just people I met over the years that really helped situate, um, my affinity to see, okay, where does me as a black person Mm -hmm. show up in this? Because I'm not getting it, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, whether it was math or the sciences or, um, you know, or, um, uh, in, even English or, you know, literature, uh, just really being able to see and showcase, um, the talent of not just, you know, black people, but people of color, you know, in general. So it was important, um, for me, I picked up on that early on and just really struggled with that. So identity for me was really, um, a nexus point when it sure. came to, you know, do I, do I do something else or do I do this whole college thing? Sure. And so um, I am a proud uh, graduate of a historically black college. And I feel like that's where I really got a foundation on seeing oneself in, you know, in higher ed and just in, and just throughout the annals of history itself too. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, definitely got to give a shout out to Prairie View a and University, my alma mater, Uh, the motto being proud producers of productive people. And so, uh, and I hope I am honoring that, um, that model and that legacy that continues to be established through every alumni from that institution. Um, You know, coming here, um, you know, I'm, I will admit I am not uh, an educator by training. Um, I'm actually trained as a, a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist. So, um, I think it's important to note that, you know, even though my training is not formally an education, it was important for me to find how I can, you know, contribute in this role as well as my role uh, in healthcare. So, um, so I think I'll end it there as far as, you know, more about me. And, um, you know, I think it's really time to really start diving into what do we mean when we say dismantling the ivory tower? You spoke a little bit to that. Yeah, yeah, um, and
0: I can speak to it some more as yeah. well. Um, you know, first I want to say, despite not being, uh, you know, a, a trained educator, you are one of the best educators I have ever had personally. <laughs> I'm I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, you know. So pat yourself on the back for that because that's, that's crazy. <laughs> but, um... You're right. You're right. We should bring it back to what the ivory tower is and what does it mean to dismantle it. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll go first. When mm-hmm. I think about the ivory tower, um, it brings about a lot of a lot of images in my head. It brings about images of Ivy League schools with grand spires um, that represent wealth and historical whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we do well to remember that. For the vast majority of many of these prestigious universities' existences, such as Yale, Harvard, Princeton, all these these big places, you know, they were only for white people. All of that knowledge and enlightenment that can be gained from education was sort of locked away mm-hmm. in those towers, you know? Um, and... For a long time in the eyes of these institutions, that knowledge wasn't for me and it wasn't for you, Dr. Meeks. It was for it was for a very specific demographic of people. Um, And you could argue that it's it's still not for us. And that's why we have to dismantle the ivory tower to redistribute that knowledge among the new generations, make it accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what it means to me. It means um, taking taking down the barriers that are blocking people from accessing all of this important knowledge. So that's that's what I have to say.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and I think, you know, that's a <clears throat> that's a good analogy uh, or a good uh, synopsis. I think it's also important, too, to acknowledge that, y- you know, this whole concept of the ivory tower is it's merely a figure of speech. You know, it, it it's not this literal <laughs> translation of <laughs> these institutions being these towers of, you know, knowledge and prestige, that's not necessarily what we're saying, but you know, it. It the concept of the ivory tower has always been a figure of speech from what I've read and from what I've studied and researched as we prepare for this. At the same time though, you know, my own analysis of the history of higher education goes to what you were saying, how, you know, since, 1636 Mm -hmm. you know the 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 founding of harvard college um you you know when you look at the time uh the era of of the first college in america or at that time the the new world as it was called right you know it's not a leap of the imagination to determined that mm, yeah folks that looked like us weren't there nope. um, no no <laughs> you know yeah. um women were not a part of nope. you know the the you know the educational uh you know uh diaspora um and it was primarily clergy you know it was mm-hmm. primarily clergy and it was primarily white cisgender men um, and so when you look at the uh, history of higher education it's not until you start doing a deeper dive where you start to see the shifts and the turn and 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 and, and the changes but even then even with all the shifts and the turns from you know uh the institutions uh, that open themselves up to admit women and to admit you know black uh Uh, Black and uh, free and enslaved folks. And even to the, you know, um, establishing of the first historically black colleges to the establishing of the first women's college or the first college for women. You know, there's still these overtures of, you know, systemic oppression Mm -hmm. that continue to take place and, and just continue to inculcate itself
0: because they're built into the foundation. Exactly. Right.
1: Exactly. And so because the foundation was laid there, um, you know, that essentially denotes like, you know, there's always there continues to be these overtures of okay, we'll let you get in, mm-hmm. but this far okay. And then right. All right. Now Okay, but we can't let you go that far. Always and a caveat. <laughs> yeah. Always a caveat. Yeah, always always a caveat, like you said. And so I think um, at least as you and I developed this endeavor, for me, it was starting to land on me as if, okay, you know, this concept of the ivory tower, even though it's metaphorical in language, mm-hmm. um, this may be playing out in very real ways for a lot of people. Absolutely, you know. And we and and granted, the ivory tower has usually been a metaphorical um, analogy to higher education, college, and universities. And it's something I've shared with you and and the cohort you were part of is that you know everything before college matters, though,
0: and it's leading up to college. That's what they're building you right. to for. Like you know, your whole education is is all preparation for college. So at the end of the day, it all ties together.
1: It does. It does. And so you know, the notions of the, your experiences uh, through K through twelve, you know, those build up to how you will interact and engage, you know, with you know a collegiate environment to mm-hmm. some extent. And if you aren't coming across resources or people to support you in unpacking some of the trauma as well as developing some new strategies and navigational techniques then it can be very um chaotic experience um and as you stated you know in some cases discouraging too um and so i think when it comes to the dismantling of the ivory uh dismantling of the ivory tower that's the lens of feel like we're trying to take it. Yeah. In the sense of, you know, we, you, you know, the knowledge is there. The knowledge has always been there. Right. And, <clears throat> and applying the knowledge to practical everyday issues, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, that involve uh, systemic oppression, yeah. whether you're talking about sexism, racism, classism, um, whether you're talking about issues around immigration and, um, and uh, civilian stali- status. Um, you know, um, all of the uh, uh, forms of oppression that exist can show up in higher ed. And they do. And they do. You're right. And they do. And so, the dismantlement of the ivory tower is basically kind of pulling the curtain back, similar to, as I as I've told folks, similar to how COVID pulled the curtain back on society. Oh yeah. And said, "Hey, this is what y'all are really working with here."
0: Yeah. It's not. It's not exactly <laughs> what you think it is. Exactly. You know, you, you gotta you, you take it for granted, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly, exactly. So, um, for me, I think that's what, you know, this this dismantlement or dismantling of the ivory tower consists of.
0: So yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, that was all very well said. And I think when I think of what we can do, mm-hmm. not just with this podcast, but with the Multicultural Center and with the Men of Color Leadership Program, is we can kind of offer out a hand to say, hey, you know, come with us and we're going on this journey. Come with us. Yeah. Come with us on this journey. Um, You know, because we're not just going to be, you know, bringing people along to learn. We're going to be learning things ourselves.
1: Exactly. 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 Because part of that dismantlement, Elijah is, you know, Continuing to be open to the unlearning and the le- the unlearning and the learning of our own selves mm-hmm. you know because we're not walking in here with you know it, who's who's to say we're not walking in on this journey with miscon- mis uh, mis misperceptions and misconceived you know misconceptions and perceived notions that you know have maybe blinded me. You know, from being a better supporter of other marginalized communities. So um, I'm, I'm definitely excited about what can be done. And I think too, you know, like you said earlier, when talking about what the podcast is and some of the things it's designed to do, you know, through the promotion of different activities and events. Uh, and again, you are not just through the multicultural center or the men of color leadership program. We're also, you know, promoting our sister centers, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the Queer Resource Center, the Women's Resource Center, the activities and the events that they have going on.
0: Those are just as important.
1: Just as important, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, and it's a way to hopefully... You know, not just promote those events and activities, but also provide an avenue for other students to get involved uh, with the various centers that maybe speak to the identity that they have more of, more of an affinity around, um, so that they can a find a sense of community. Because as you and I've talked, as well as when you're doing your time in the program, that was one of the that is not one of that is one of the many tenets of the Men of Color Leadership Program is helping students find a sense of community and a sense of belonging. Yeah. You know as well as anyone else. When you don't feel like you belong, it's kind of like, well What you am, am I fear? doing here? What right. am I doing here? You start questioning a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that sense of belonging is important. And so that's definitely another way in which this dismantling.
0: And I think that's that's something I really, really appreciate. Um, and I'm grateful for about Portland Community College, is that we have these resources for these different groups. Um, if you are someone who identifies as queer, you have a place to go. If you are a veteran, you have a place to go, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. If if you are a woman, you have a place to go, you know? Whoever you are here, um, there's somewhere for you, and there is a community, and that Therein lies community college. And that's that's something I also feel is often missing from these larger higher ed institutions is that sense of real diversity and real community, Mm -hmm. because the people who come to colleges, a community college, are coming from all kinds of places
1: (laughs) (laughs) everywhere. That's true. That's true.
0: (laughs) And um, I think that is a great strength for us. Um, And I'm I'm excited to to try to reach more of these people with this podcast and and expand
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the 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 um the depth of diversity amongst the identities that a lot of our students hold is real and the and the 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 depth of the diversity of the identities but the also the intersectionality of the identities um you know because you know oftentimes what through my own observation which makes this more empirical than you know you know statistical or quality, you know yeah, right. uh data points but at least from what my observations have shown is that students start to frequent all the senses mm-hmm. because they see they start to see where they align in terms of who they are and granted you know one's identity can sometimes be contextual based on the situation happening at their time at at the time so uh, the multiple identities we hold at depending upon the situation we're in at that moment denotes which identity is showing up Right or kind of downplaying itself. Um, at least, at least from what I remember, scholars denote that as saliency. You know, um, but in terms of you know that dismantlement piece, you know, I think that's that's another endeavor in which, you know, that concept of community that you mentioned it's it is a very real thing that uh, a lot of us endeavor to enact and be authentic around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say, um, my feeling is that a lot of the four year universities and colleges are endeavoring to do the same, um, you know, and nobody's perfect at it either. You know, I'd be the first to say that, you know, even here at PCC, we, we, you know, we've made some strides and we've also got some ways to go, um, you know but but for me i also believe that um if people can see the effort mm-hmm. and the genuine effort being made then it 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 kind of kind of levels the critique a little bit
0: yeah and i would i would really encourage uh, on that level of effort and dismantlement mhm I would encourage students, regardless of your background, to go check out all of the centers. Exactly, all of exactly, them, uh, because that's gonna give you perspective, and maybe you will find out something about yourself you didn't know before. Man, you know,
1: yeah, true. That true words never been spoken. So, you know, and that, and that and there's, there's truth in that. You know, um, you know, and it's something that you know we tell folks all the time and you you know you've experienced this yourself you don't have to be a woman to go into the women's resource center no i visit all the time (laughs) exactly you don't have to be a veteran to visit the veterans Mm -hmm. resource center you don't have to be a person of color to come into the mc and you do not have to be uh uh, queer or gay or lgbtqia to be or to hold space in the um, queer resource center um
0: Everything is open to everyone.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And as you beautifully stated, you may learn something about yourself that maybe has always been there, but, you know, you start to question it more. And to me, that's also the beauty. That's also a level of dismantlement, too. that's exactly what I was saying. Is, you know, that Mm -hmm. self-reflection.
0: You're breaking down the walls that you've built in your own mind.
1: Exactly. 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 Because... You know the ivory tower can have a you know a lot of people think there's this um, that it's about breaking down the, the 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 ivory tower like external 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 barriers external. It's both and mm-hmm. it's external and it's internal
0: because it, uh, these external systems create mm-hmm. they influence us mm-hmm. so they will create internal biases. Uh, Barriers exactly all sorts of things
1: exactly mm-hmm. exactly, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, you know, and that's and that's and and I think that's also not just a dismantlement of the ivory tower, that's also a wonderful lesson of education itself, mm-hmm. you know, at least from my own collegiate experience, yes, it was about learning you know the subject that I was majoring in, and it was also about. Who are you?
0: Yeah, that's that's what people really come to college for, isn't it? To find their path. In a Some, lot of ways, yeah, that's yes, that's true. Not Some, always, not, all. not always. <laughs> yeah, okay. I should I should clarify. Not always. No, nah, I mean, but I do feel like college is, especially co- community colleges, are a place for you to experiment.
1: Exactly. You exactly. just you try
0: different things, and you you never know. You might take a class, be like, take it on a whim. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this something maybe about a subject a topic that you you know and you do that and then it's oh this is amazing you know right. and, and that could be anything right that could be anything
1: right no absolutely um you know for me it, you know I, I I see PCC is the training ground for mm-hmm. you all um you know what, the, you know cuz when most at least most students that you know we've interacted with through the program and everything the majority of you all uh, have a ten, have a propensity to transfer right. um and so you know it's kind of like this is the training ground for you to kind of work out the kinks your study habits <laughs> you know yes. you know professionalism with instructors all of all of the things so to speak right. um this is where you want to work those out, mm-hmm. and then when you transfer, you you've got a roadmap. And granted, yes, you still got to calibrate the GPS. If I can use that colloquial, Yes, yeah. you know, get you. to you know. At the same time, though, you 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 have a better sense of awareness and a lot of the mystery mm-hmm. around college, particularly for. Uh, us as uh, students of color, people of color, right. has been demystified because you you generated a community that, in a lot of cases, not just supporting you while you're at PCC, a lot of times you still have that support even beyond. I right. mean, I've told you, and you've seen it yourself. There are students that were in the program way before you that <laughs> still reach out, uh-huh. come, have come and spoke to y'all and what have you because they see the value. Yeah. Um, and, and they're appreciative of what they got while they were here. Right. And, and that's how, going back years. Exactly. And how it still applies even now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's and, and, and that that speaks to the program that speaks to, you know, the work that those individuals have done and continue to do. Um, but I also see that as a wonderful uh, uh, image of how the dismantling process works you know, both externally and internally, it is an internal level of education that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. Because as you say, the question is, who are you? You know, because you're not the same person you were, you know, once you got here, whether you're coming straight out of high school, whether you're returning after three or four years, or, you know, whether you just on a whim said, you know what, just got laid off i've been wanting to do this school thing i don't know what the heck i'm doing <laughs> but i'm gonna I'm a go for it then it's all the above you know at the same time recognizing that as you are progressing through this you know taking stock of who you were when you started who you are now and what the trajectory is for who you
0: wish to be absolutely absolutely Well, I think that is a very good note for us to maybe sort of conclude on.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Because we can do this all day. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: we definitely could. (laughs) We definitely could. Um, All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, We are excited for where this podcast is going to go. Um, We are excited to work with uh, the community. Absolutely. The college. um, And thank you so much for listening. Uh, I you know I got to get better at this whole concluding thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know that part of the job. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, this has been great, Doctor Meeks. Thank you so much uh, for coming on.
1: No, the pleasure is mine.
0: And uh, you know, just sneak peek uh for for next week we have uh, Doctor Benning's coming on. Yep. And uh, we're very excited for that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the
0: first um, first permanent female president of Portland Community College, yep. and mm-hmm. the first black.
1: Yeah, first black female, female president. President, yeah, president. That's right uh, of Portland Community College. So,
0: which is very—that's um, a big deal. Yes, big indeed. Deal. So yes, indeed. We love to see it.
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We're here for it. Um, just want to say peace, everyone, and uh, wish you all a wonderful week.